I want to offer a few announcements and reminders as we get started. Um, as I remind you each week, please make sure you check our church webpage and Facebook page for ongoing announcements and updates. If you're joining us online, we do have someone in the back who is answering those questions, trying to um, offer announcements as we go. So if you have any questions, please feel free to share those and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Again, I wanna thank you for your generosity to our church and its ministries. Your gifts and tithes help us to do the work that we do both here in our local community and around the world as part of a larger denomination. Um, obviously, we have an offering basket in the back, but please know that you can give online if that is an easier option. At the top right-hand corner of our church webpage is that online giving button. Also, our church directory photos are just around the corner. If you have not signed up yet to have your picture taken, please do so after the service. We have folks who can do that, or you can um, go online and fill out that as well, or give Judy a call in the church office. Those photos will be taken on October 21st and 22nd. You sign up for a time slot and come in at that time so that they can um, give you their attention and make sure those photos turn out beautiful. Again, you do not have to be a member of the church, but willing to share your photo in the church directory so the rest of us can begin to put names and faces together and get to know one another a little bit better. Also, October 27th, which is a Thursday evening from 5.30 to 7.30, we will be hosting a trunk or treat right over here in our new church parking lot that is during the village trick or treat time. So what that is, is we have a sign up sheet for those who want to come in and decorate the trunk of their cars. Nothing too scary, but other than that, be creative and you can come dressed in costume and pass out candy to the neighborhood kids who will trick or treat through our parking lot. So we do have limited parking spots, so please see Amanda Raines or Caitlin Porter afterwards if you would like to sign up for one of those. But of course, we can always use extra hands passing out candy and greeting folks as they come through. Next Sunday, October 23rd, we will have a special guest with us. He came about the same time last year, Mr. John Darby. will be sharing his gift of song with us during the worship service. And we will also be dedicating the parking lot and offering our gratitude to the engineer who helped us to design that. He will be here with us as well. So I wanna make sure you uh, know of those things next Sunday as we continue to celebrate the marvelous accomplishments over the past couple of years. <clears throat> Finally, we have the opportunity today to celebrate once again the sacrament of holy baptism and to welcome a new family into the life of our church. The Morfords, who are located in that back corner, we'll call them up here shortly, and we have the, the privilege of baptizing their girls and welcoming them to the church. So after church, we will have refreshments down in the fellowship hall. So please plan to stick around, um, shake their hands, get to know them, and welcome them to the church. Now, friends, I ask, may we all pause in this moment. May we breathe deeply. May we know that God is here moving and working among us. In this time, we offer our praise and thanksgiving for all the ways that God is at work in our lives. May our ears, our eyes, and our hearts be open this morning. Will you join me in an attitude of worship?
Good morning. Please stand and join me in the call to worship. We gather in the name of the living Christ to worship God. God's love is for you and for all people everywhere. The living Christ is with us. Praise the Lord. Please remain standing and join in the singing of hymn number 369 in your blue United Methodist hymnal and on the screens. scripture reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 9 verses 23 through 25 in the Common English Bible. You can find it on page 790 in your pew Bible or you can follow along on the screen. Jesus said to everyone, all who want to come after me must say no to themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them but all who lose their lives because of me will save them. What advantage do people have if they gain the whole world for themselves, yet perish or lose their lives? 
The word of the Lord for the people of God. Please join in singing the hymn of grace, There's a Wideness in God's Mercy, verses 1 through 3, United Methodist Hymnal number 121, and words on the screen. join that choir, but I don't know if I can make the commitment to a full year. We have an opportunity for you. They have already begun rehearsing for the Christmas cantata, and they would love to have some more voices join them. So if you are interested in participating in the Christmas cantata, which will take place on December 11th during the worship service, Scott wants to invite you to their choir practices on Thursday evenings at 7 o'clock, and they do rehearse for the cantata at the beginning of that practice and then move on at the end of the practice to the rest of uh, the worship service rehearsals. So again, it's 7 o'clock on Thursday nights if you're interested in joining in for the cantata on December 11th. And of course, I'm sure Scott will answer any questions afterwards if you have any of those for him. So thank you, choir. Thank you, Scott. At this time, I'd like to invite Colleen Marshall as our lay leader up and the Morford family to join us up on stage. Did everybody see Charlotte's shoes today? <laughs> Minnie Mouse, you both look so beautiful. Yeah. The Morford family moved to Ada two years ago from Louisville, Kentucky, and they found they fell in love with this small town and decided to raise their kids here and now have decided to join our church family as members of Ada First United Methodist Church. And I want to take just a moment to share a little bit about them. Of course, you can find them downstairs and ask them any other questions you come up with. Aaron is a Navy vet who now works in cybersecurity. Sasha is a stay-at-home mom who has a passion for photography and, most importantly, coffee. Yes. Maddie is a fourth grader who loves cheer, tumbling, dance, and Girl Scouts. And Charlotte, how old are you? You're two, you'll be three very soon, right? And Charlotte loves cats. A very good thing to love. So we are so privileged and grateful to share in the sacrament of holy baptism and in membership with each of you this morning. We thank you for being here. They were here for vacation Bible school and have been back 
just about every Sunday since, so we, um, we're privileged to welcome you into membership of this church and as a family, into Christ's family and this family of Ada First United Methodist. So I would like to invite us all to join together. You probably have this memorized by now, right? Well, don't worry, we have one more baptism on October 30th as well. So. Uh, follow along on the screens and our liturgy as we welcome them into membership. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. I'd like to present today for baptism Madeline and Charlotte Morford, and I'd also like to present Aaron and Sasha Morford to join our church through reaffirmation of faith. Thank you. So today, Aaron and Sasha, of course, you'll be answering for yourselves, but also for your girls, especially Charlotte, who doesn't quite understand just yet what these words all mean, but you are making a promise, as we are also as a church, to help you raise these girls in the faith to teach them the, the, the teachings of scripture and the life of Christ, and to continue that, that raising and teaching until they come to an age of confirmation when they can take this covenant, this promise on upon themselves. So as you answer these questions today, I just remind you, not only are they for you, but also for the promise you're making to each of your beautiful girls. So I ask on behalf of the whole church, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? Now, will you nurture these children in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example, they may be guided to accept God's grace for themselves, to profess their faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? According to the grace given to you, will you remain faithful members of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representatives in the world? Now, do you, as Christ's body, the church, Reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ. Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and include these persons now before you in your care? The good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround these persons with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow trust of God and be found faithful in their service to others. We will pray for them that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life. Now let us join together in professing the Christian faith as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, the Lord, 
the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Mighty God, pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and those who receive it, to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness, that throughout their lives, dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in his final victory. Praise to you. Sasha, remember your baptism and be thankful. Aaron, remember your baptism and be thankful. And now I have some questions for you, Aaron and Sasha, as we receive you into membership of the church. As members of Christ's Universal Church, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church? and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries. As members of this congregation, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? All right, and now Maddie and Charlotte. Maddie, would you like to go first so show Charlotte that it's okay? Madeline Grace, I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, Charlotte. Charlotte, I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now may the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Through baptism, you are incorporated by the Holy Spirit 
into God's new creation. You are made to share in Christ's royal priesthood. We are all one in Christ Jesus. It is with joy and thanksgiving that we welcome you as members of the family of Christ. Members of the household of God, I commend these persons now to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you with your love. As members together with you in the body of Christ, and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the Church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our beliefs. The God of all grace, who has called us to eternal glory in Christ, establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you may live in grace and peace. Amen. Now let's welcome them in friendship and love to our church. baptized children, we want to take a moment and share together in our hymn number 611, Child of Blessing, Child of Promise. But before we sing, I want to tell you a little bit more. You've seen these penny jars before, but these ones, these ones had me crying at my kitchen table this week. Uh, Colleen, do you mind holding those penny jars up where everybody can see them? So we give these away with each baptism of a child, a penny for each week of their life until they turn 18 and reminders of how precious that time is that we have to raise them, not only as children, but to raise them in the faith. And we see sometimes there are dirty, dingy pennies because, because sometimes the weeks are hard and dirty and dingy. And then there are the shiny pennies because there are good and joyful weeks. But do you notice these jars? So we have Charlotte's jar here. Look at all those pennies. And then I had to fill Maddie's jar and I realized, I have a daughter almost your age. And I'm like, where are all the pennies? <laughs> and you realize how quickly that time goes and how important that time is. So we thank you today for sharing in this gift and for the commitment that you are making for yourselves, for your children, and the commitment that we now make to you as a church. And we offer these gifts to you. And now, let's join together in singing our hymn.
like to invite our children forward as Miss Wendy shares with us. How's everyone doing today? Okay, I need you guys to be honest with me. I'm going to ask you an important... Happy birthday! <laughs> oh, well, happy birthday early. Nice, nice. Okay, I have a really important question, and I need you to put your hands in the air and tell me you're going to be honest, okay? Does anybody here have to do chores at home? Yeah? Okay. I always have to clean the playroom. Clean the playroom? Okay. Does anybody have a chore that they really do not like to do? The playroom. The playroom? It's super messy. Oh, super messy? Bedroom. What's your bedroom? What's it's a chore you don't like to do? I don't like to clean under my bed. Clean under your bed? Yeah, mine would be real dusty. <laughs> yeah? What's one that you don't like to do? The toy room. The toy room? What about you? I don't like cleaning our library because everything's everywhere. Everything's everywhere. See, Mom and Dad, you guys are like, they're all like. <laughs> all right. Now, here's the honest part. What's your chore that you don't like to do? Litter box. Ooh, yeah, that's the worst. Okay. So, who always does their chores without complaining? Oh, see, I don't have to ask mom and dad because they were honest. That's fantastic. Good job. <laughs> you know what chore I don't like to do the absolute most? Dishes. That's one of my favorites. You can come to my house and do my dishes then. <laughs> I know. Like, I don't mind it so much now that I have a dishwasher, but I used to not have one and I had to. I enjoy cleaning the windows. You do? You can come to my house, too. I see Granny and Grandma at my house trying to wash the dishes. I, I, I see Granny buy all the dishes. Oh, my. Well, since you guys are all great helpers, I know I can count on you to help me today, right? Because I need somebody to help do a chore today. Okay, you guys are ready? Okay, here's the chore we're going to do today. <laughs> so, way back a long time ago, one of the chores that maybe was the least favorite is when you lived in a house and you're, let's say the person you lived with was very rich, whenever they would have guests or people come over, they always had to have a servant to wash everybody's feet. So are you guys cool with helping me wash everybody's feet today? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, We're not washing baby's feet. Because, well, I don't want my feet washed. So here's, here's what we got to do. We got to look out here. So if we have any volunteers for people to come take their shoes and socks off in front of everybody and get your feet washed, stand up for us. Let's see who's willing. <gasps> Look back. We have, oh, two volunteers. Okay, now wait a minute. Why don't, why don't you think they didn't volunteer? Because they don't want to be embarrassed. Right. Why, why do you think it would be embarrassing? Children are washing grown-ups' feet. Children are washing grown-ups' feet. Yep. You know what? 
when we wear our shoes and socks and everything all day, do our feet sometimes get smelly? Yeah? Do you think everybody wants to like sit up here and say, have you guys be like, ooh, you got some stinky feet. What do you think? <laughs> no? <laughs> I don't think I would want to do that. And you know what else? I don't like feet unless they're baby feet. I don't like feet. I don't want feet touching me. I don't want to touch anybody's feet. So that would be the worst job for me, right? But I'm glad that you guys are willing to do it. And guess, guess who else did that way back a long time ago? God, well, Jesus washed feet, right? And you know what was so surprising about that? Usually the servant in the house who was like the lowest servant got stuck doing that because back in that time, they didn't have shoes that covered their whole feet, right? What kind of shoes did they wear? Sandals, Sandals right? And were their roads nice and paved? No, what were they made out of? Dirt, right? And they had, what did they, they did, did they have cars? No, so how did they get from place to place? Or, or they walked in the dirt, or they, did they, they didn't have bikes. What else did they ride? What do you think? Like a horse. And you remember, a donkey? Do you remember in the Bible all those talks about all those sheep that people had? Right? So what, what else do you think was on the road? A lot of animal doo-doo, right? So... <laughs> So I bet we probably wouldn't want to wash the feet of those people back then, would we? No. And, and you know what? They left that for the lowest servant to do because the people who were rich, that was above them. They didn't think that they should be doing that. And Jesus wanted to teach his followers that. that it doesn't matter who you are, you should be willing to help people you should be willing to be a disciple. So it doesn't matter, like, everybody should be willing to wash each other's feet. What's a way that we can be servants today? Can you guys think of a way wash, we can serve? Wash the whole church. That would be an awesome thing to do as a servant. What's an, uh, another idea? If, like, if someone falls down, help them up, right? If somebody falls, help them up, or if they get hurt, help them. So oh, there's... If somebody's drowning and you can swim, right, there's so many things we can do to help people. So can you guys say a prayer with me? Okay. Dear Jesus, let us remember that we can always be servants to show your love and your kindness always. Amen. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from John chapter 13, verses 13 through 17 and 34 through 35. It can be found on page 822 of your pew Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. Before the festival of Passover, Jesus knew that his time had come to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them fully. Jesus and his disciples were sharing the evening meal. 
The devil had already provoked Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew the Father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the table and took off his robes. Picking up a linen towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he was wearing. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will understand later. No, Peter said, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't have a place with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus responded, those who have bathed need only to have their feet washed because they are completely clean. You disciples are clean, but not every one of you. He knew who would betray him. That's why he said, not every one of you is clean. After he washed the disciples' feet, he put on his robes and returned to his place at the table. He said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you speak correctly because I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too must wash each other's feet. I have given you an example. Just as I have done, you also must do. I assure you, servants aren't greater than their master, nor are those who are sent greater than the one who sent them. Since you know these things, you will be happy if you do them. I give you a new commandment. Love each other, just as I have loved you, so you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love each other. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Well, good morning. If you've just lost all track of time, it has been six weeks now that we have been moving our way through this study, digging deeper into the life of Jesus and observing the ways that he spoke and move and interacted in this world. His ministry in this world turned laws and expectations upside down. His actions baffled and agitated the religious leaders. But Jesus' love, his unconditional, extravagant love for God and people transformed the world then and is still transforming the world now. And here's the culmination of it all. He handed that work to us. We now hold on our shoulders and in our hands that call from Christ to be the ones who can transform the world through his grace and love. I gotta say, that's kind of a, a frighteningly large task, isn't it? A little scary to know that that is now our task. So how are we supposed to do that? How are we to emulate Christ? How are we to live as disciples here and now and not just as flawed people in a broken world? 
Before I dive any deeper, though, into that massive task, I want to recap for you a little bit of how we've arrived at this point. The first week, we began looking at the greatest commandment, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Then we heard the story of how Jesus brought together this ragtag group of followers and called them his disciples. Fishermen and tax collectors and zealots, they became the proof that God can use any one of us to fulfill God's kingdom work. In chapter 3, we considered what it means to lavish love on one another. Even, and maybe even especially, to lavish love on our enemies. Because that's what Christ has done for us. In the fourth chapter of our study, we recalled Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well in that town of Samaria. A town where any respectable Jew never would have gone. But Jesus not only went and spoke to a woman, but he told his disciples, we're staying here for two days. Jesus took his disciples to unexpected places. And he too calls us to go to those places to cross paths with people that we have actively avoided in the past. Because Christ knows, using a word by Frederick Douglass, that agitation can open our hearts in new ways. Then last week, we heard the story of Jesus' encounter with a man possessed by demons, a man living in a cemetery, a man who was written off by his own community, pushed to the outskirts. And yet the scripture tells us that Jesus not only sees him in that moment, but also can see who he can become with God's help. And we heard again our call to reach out and to love the most vulnerable in our world. So today, as we continue our study of this series entitled Reckless Love by Tom Berlin, we're reminded that when we read Jesus' commandments to love each other as he has loved us, it's not just calling us to singular acts of kindness. He was not just suggesting <coughs> that we become nicer, perhaps nicer to our elders or kinder to our pets. He was and is saying that our whole testimony depends on whether we love others the same way he loves them. Jesus wants us to understand that people will know we are his disciples by the way we love. So today I want to call you to think about this question. How are you going to seek to emulate Christ? How will you seek to emulate Christ? So maybe you've noticed, it's not just me up here on the stage today. Kathy and Nancy have joined me up here, and it's not just for moral support, though I hope that's some of the case. These two women, along with several others, actually did this small group study last year, studying this book, Reckless Love. 
Their small group met for six weeks for the study, but I don't know if they've ever really stopped meeting since then. They dug into this book and they dug deeper into this command by Christ to love God and love our neighbor. Now at that time, I had not even read the book yet. I just picked some titles from the Cokesbury webpage and suggested them. But at the end of their small group, this whole group was raving about this book. And every week I'd hear from them. And then at the end of the six weeks, I could see and hear how much this idea or the call to begin with love had transformed them. And I've heard the same from you now over the past six weeks, how Christ's call to begin with love has transformed your lives too. So with today being Laity Sunday, I would say I asked them, but really they kind of took me hostage and said they were going to do this. They wanted to share with all of us the transforming ways that they have experienced God's love and grace and how they are seeking day in and day out and never doing it perfectly, but always trying to live and love every day just a little bit more like Christ did. So we're going to kind of do this as an interview of sorts. I have some questions, and they're going to respond, and I try to script things because that's how I like it, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so I'm going to start by asking, what has been your biggest aha moment, or what has cha changed or shaped the, your thinking about your relationship in Christ, with Christ, and your relationship with your neighbor as we've moved through this study? I think for me, the biggest change has been um, looking and seeking through Christ's eyes. And that has completely transformed how I live my life. And you would think at my age, I'd have it all figured out. And in fact, about right before the fire, I think I remember saying to the minister at the time, I think I'm ready to retire from church. I think I'm done. I think, I think Christ is finished with me. And then we had the fire. And it, it was just amazing to me how Christ made it very clear to me that I'm not finished with you. I'm not finished with you. And then the pandemic hit. And I thought, again, Christ must be finished with me. I'm sitting at home by myself for two years, pretty much. How am I supposed to be emulating Christ? And, you know, I spent a couple weeks in a lot of prayer. It was nice to have the time, you know, to have that prayerful time. And um, it's almost like it all led up to this book. And the very first chapter, and I coerced, I think, Kathy into teaching with me, because I think team te teaching is great. And um, I just felt like something called us. We both felt called to do this, lead this Bible study. And um, after the first chapter, the begin with love chapter, we both were just, I, I don't know, filled with love. <laughs> And it was a different kind of love. It was a love that was much more giving, um, much more, um, well, it was interesting. The more I gave, the more I received. 
And I thought, how can this be? <laughs> how can it work this way? But it did. Well, hello. Hello. I, you know, I, in all of this, I, I am not um, such a paragon of virtue. <laughs> Sorry. But I, I do, I, I find that I do periodically throughout the day um, think about begin with love. When I, when I encounter different people, when I encounter different situations, but I also find that I, um, I think the opposite of love is not hate, but it's fear. And I, I, I have anxiety issues uh, and depression issues, so, and I'm shy. So to, to engage with people is something that's a real challenge for me. So I find that if I'm, I'm hesitating or holding back, I just think, Kathy, begin with love. You can do this, begin with love. And somehow that changes my whole mental outlook and how I view myself and how I view the world. So I would say um, this, this book has been pretty transforming for me. Thank you. Yeah. So the last five weeks, there have been a lot of conceptual ideas about living out our call to love God and love our neighbor. But in this last chapter, it becomes very real, and there's a tangible challenge in front of us to emulate Christ in our daily lives. So I want to ask, how do you understand that call? What does it mean for you to do that on a daily basis? And I want to add a caveat here. One of the things our, our bishop... Um, Bishop Palmer mentioned recently in a meeting that he held was that one of the obstacles or maybe misunderstandings that we have as Christians and what we call emulating Christ is actually an ethic of niceness. And as, you know what, small town Midwesterners, we're really nice, aren't mm -hmm. we? We practice niceness. Mm. But as being nice the same as emulating Christ? I would say not. <laughs> um, I think anybody can be nice. And I think they do it, like you said, it's kind of ingrained in us, in this culture, to be nice. Now, some of that might be changing, but um, most of us, I think, are still raised to be nice. I think to emulate Christ means to be uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. I think every single time when I've attempted to, to think or do what I think Christ would do, it's made me feel very uncomfortable. I, too, am not an extreme extrovert. Um, which I think that would be, make it a little bit easier. Um, I, I find it, uh, but I'm, it's interesting, the more I do it, the more I don't even, uh, kind of what Kathy was saying, I don't feel uncomfortable as uncomfortable. It's still uncomfortable. 
but I don't feel as uncomfortable. And again, it fills me with warmth. Even if the person is somewhat rejective of it, it, it still fills me with um, warmth and uh, makes me want to continue to be uncomfortable, which that's the transformation for me. Christ, even as merciful and compassionate as he was with the poor and the marginalized, what, what we see in the scriptures was that he was not always nice, especially if you were a Pharisee or a scribe or one of the zealots. And I think the issue there was that he found them so concerned with following the law that they lost sight of people. And Jesus was trying to bring them back to a law of love over a law of exclusion. And sometimes that didn't feel nice. Mm -hmm. I, I would say that um, for me personally, I, it's been a year of challenging myself to do things that I've been kind of uncomfortable wanting to do. So, you know, I find that if I if I do push myself, if I begin with love and I push myself into situations that aren't necessarily um, easy for me, that what I gain from that is so much more than just sitting in my little house, you know, with my little dog and, you know, just hanging out where I'm most comfortable. So I, I think as a church, what makes sense to me would be it is really easy to love each other in, in our church family, but I, I, I think we have to challenge ourselves to open the doors of the church and go out into the community in some way. So maybe it's Beatitudes, and, and usually if I'm up at Beatitudes, I may be helping or serving uh, when we used to have Crock-Pot Tuesday, you know, we used to bring in food and things like that. Probably the more difficult thing for me and the one that shows, can give the most and show the most love is to sit down and have a meal with somebody that I don't know and converse with them and, and listen as opposed to really talking, listen to their story. And I think maybe that's more of an example of beginning with love. And uh, certainly not easy, but it's something I will challenge myself to do. Thank you. So as we begin thinking about this call to service and stepping outside of our comfort zones, I think the word that might come to mind is the idea of sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Serving outside of our comfort zones is sacrificial love. The last chapter of our book brings our attention to Christ's final hours on earth, and our scripture readings that Sarah shared with us this morning specifically bring us into that moment when Christ knelt in front of the feet of his disciples. He took that towel and he tied it around his waist, and in that moment, he took on the role of a servant. He kneeled before them, and he washed their feet. And I think most of us know what happened next. Just hours later, after sharing that intimate, vulnerable moment with his disciples, he was arrested and began a torturous journey 
toward his death on the cross. So I want to ask Kathy and Nancy, what do you make of that moment? And Christ, standing in front of his disciples after years of being together, took that towel and knelt in front of them with that bowl and began to wash their feet. I would say... Um, I would say, excuse me, that um, it's an incredibly vulnerable situation, not only for the person washing the feet, but for the person whose feet are being washed. It, and by being vulnerable, I think we, we end up touching a part of ourselves that um, it can be a little scary and, um, and definitely very uh, emotional. Can you get my shoe off? <laughs> Thank God I had a pedicure. Um, so I would say that um, vulnerability, huh? Oh, it is my first time in having my feet washed. Thank you. And it is very humbling and very vulnerable. So thank you, my dear. Um, I think humility is what the word that comes to my mind. Um, it's very humbling to have my minister kneeling before me and um, washing my feet. And you, and you do get the sense, like I have goosebumps, and not because the water's chilly, <laughs> but because um, I think as I look at her, who is representing Christ, and the way she's prostrating herself to me and, and then washing my foot, um, it, it, I can't explain to you how humble I feel. I feel incredibly humble. And um, I think with the, I can just imagine Christ having the same uh, tender touch I mean, he's, he's trying to get this message across to his disciples, and um, it, it is a very emotional experience. If you've not done it, I highly recommend that you have someone wash your feet. It's just, it, it's just an amazing experience. Thank you. As I read through the scripture and now had the opportunity to remember and reflect on that moment in Christ's life, I realized that the act of washing feet, his disciples who didn't want their feet washed, in that moment, this would have been something that turned their worlds upside down, something that would break open their hearts in a new way. And I think something that would prepare them for what was to come. Think about how differently they might have perceived 
Jesus' sacrifice on the Christ had it not been for this act that took place before the crucifixion. But in this moment, Jesus humbled himself, became fully human, became a servant to them, and then began his journey to the cross. And so then for them to stand in that moment and look up at the cross and realize this is the man who didn't just come to lead us, but the one, God himself, who came to serve us. How much differently do we begin to understand the love and the grace of Jesus Christ in that moment? So I want to leave you with one final thought, one quote from the author of our book, Reverend Berlin. He says, without a doubt, the singular most important decision for those who want to love God and their neighbor is not about which bad habit to eliminate or which good work to begin. It is our decision to accept Jesus' love, to accept Jesus' forgiveness, and then to make him the Lord of our life. May that be our prayer, and may that be our work. Amen.
Thank you. Now at this time, we pause in this moment to reflect upon God's love and grace poured out on each and every one of us and on our call to live in such a way in this world that others come to know that love and grace. We do that as a church, as Christ's body, through our gifts, our service, our witness. May all that we do and all that we are be fulfilling our desire to emulate the life of Christ. I invite us now to stand and join together in singing the words of our doxology, number 95, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Please stand. of prayer with open hearts, ready to hear God's voice speak to us. Let us pray. God of healing and wholeness, we come to you in this moment with thanksgiving in our hearts for all the ways that you have shown us goodness and mercy. Lord, when our lives have been bruised with tragedy, we find consolation when we are touched by your Spirit. When our lives are scarred with suffering and rejection, we find our hope renewed through the power of Christ. We praise and adore you, almighty God, that we have been transformed by your grace and mercy. But we recognize, Father, that so often our commitment to you can grow cold and distant. That sometimes we turn away from your presence and we ask for your forgiveness. Forgive us for the days that we choose to be complacent. Forgive us for the excuses we have. Forgive us for the times that we have tried to make carrying our cross more comfortable. Forgive us for the times that we have not followed you because it wasn't convenient. Forgive us for not loving our neighbors and in turn, not fully loving you. Forgive us, Lord, and open our hearts again to the presence and the work of your Holy Spirit. For it is by your love that we have been redeemed. And now, O oh God, we lift before you the names of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in need of your love and your care. We lift up K. Rex, who is still being cared for following a fall that resulted in a broken pelvis. 
God, we pray for your hand of comfort and healing to be upon her. And may she find assurance and peace even in the midst of this setback. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We lift up Laura Smith, who is still struggling to regain her physical and mental strength following a battle with COVID. We pray, O oh God, that your spirit will be at work in Laura. May she experience the assurance of your presence with her. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We continue to lift up Molly. Lord, we thank you for those days of good news, for days of increased energy and health. But Lord, we also continue to pray knowing the toll that the cancer is taking on her. Give her your strength. Be with her family and give them peace and comfort. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We lift up Nancy Fleming. God, we pray that your hand of care will continue to rest on her, that you'll be with both Nancy and Ron in the days ahead. Give them strength. Give them courage for each obstacle they face. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We thank you, Father, for hearing us for knowing the cries of our hearts, even when we can't find the words. And as we were reminded today, O oh Lord, reminded that your son chose the cross in order to show us the way of salvation. Thank you. We pray that you will shake us from our complacency and stir within us an urgency to share the good news of your love. And we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, may we seek today and every day to take up our cross and to follow you. All these things we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, saying together the words that he taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now, as God's beloved children, may we stand and share together in singing our closing hymn, number 298, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Please stand as you're able.
benediction I'll share with you this morning, we know as John Wesley's rule of life. So may you hear these words. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Amen. Thank you.